Well, hello and welcome to episode number 445 of the Plain Talking UK podcast. Carlos here and in this week's show, things get all stingy with BA and it's flying cars in Australia and Emirates builds an A380 out of plastic. Or do they? In the military news this week, a UH-60 appears and it's not in the USA and a B-17 takes a trip but not in the air. So, joining me this week over in the PTUK Master Suite Studios, I missed you last week, Matt. Oh, thank you. We missed you too, to be fair. Oh, it... We we soldiered on without you. We soldiered on. We soldiered on. We we did all right, you know. We we soldiered it... on, but you were missed. Don't worry. It, it was quite strange, actually, doing a radio show and watching. Watching, not listening, <laughs> I, might, I might add, watching, watching PTUK yes. on the other screen. I'd like to think you were a bit busy. Uh... <laughs> uh, well, in between songs, in yeah, between quite, songs. absolutely. But no, it was, it was good fun. But I did, I have to admit, I did listen back to, to last week's show whilst I was driving the lorry this week. And it was a thoroughly enjoyable show. Yeah, it was. It was. We we had a we had a real belter actually. Andy was on proper form. Armando was on good form as well, even if he was a little bit late to the party. Uh, we we did something that I know Nev would have been fuming about because we did delay the start just by a fraction to make sure he was there. Oh. I know, I know, I know. But it, it was a, it was a good show. Though. I enjoyed it, Matt. Well done. Yeah, indeed. Speaking of Nev, good yes, news. He's <laughs> back with us this week. It's the man who, over the last three weeks, has kept BA. In the air and in the green in the banks. Oh, it's of course Neville Bounds. Yes, well, I, I have certainly done my fair share of flying with the <laughs> the airline over the last three weeks. Uh, really enjoyed it, but everybody is so tired. My, because the quick summary is that we did a week show in uh, Barcelona, then we had a week off. Well, I say a week off, a week of normal work, but I ended up going to Stockholm for two days. Then it was Dallas for a week and a bit, followed by Portland, Oregon, the other Portland, as uh, I would say to Micah. Um, but we've all come back on Monday and thinking, oh, we don't feel too bad. But as the week has gone on, I was on a meeting this afternoon with some of my colleagues, and we are all hanging a bit. Um, flagging, I think. recovered from the whole uh, <laughs> flagging experience. So um, uh, I hope I won't nod off uh, during the... Uh, during the show but uh, i'll tell you all about my travels and experiences mm. a bit later on yeah certainly we're going to have a big catch up with nev uh, later on the show because uh, he's got a bit of a, a bit of a, an old school part of the show i think we'll call it nev it's a bit of an npe oh yeah. nev's passenger experience we haven't had one of those for for a while but we're going to have a chat with nev later uh. because he, you you have uh, um but flown on a few different aircraft over the last few weeks haven't you nev i have yes yes yeah, yes, yes. Yeah. So. so more on that later so stay tuned but uh say gonna say hello to everyone who's joined us in the youtube chat room this evening uh gonna say hello let's go to the top of the list who was in there first this evening lee davies is in there hello to you lee uh, he's uh, going to be off early to bed tonight as it's uh, Christmas tomorrow, the TAS Fair at Manchester. A superb day out, and it's also on Sunday as well. Sunday, apparently, according to Lee, they're going to get the hydraulics moving on the Nimrod Bay uh, Bombay doors as well there. So, uh, yeah, I hadn't seen that one advertised. A uh, bit of a track for me and Matt, Matt to get to. I never <laughs> as well, though, to be fair. Uh, hello to uh, Alan White. Hello to you, Alan. 
Uh, Mazus, hello to you, Mazus. Nice to see you in there, our local listener, Mazus. Uh, Hobby Time, good evening to you as well. Bill, hello, Bill. Good to see you in there as well. Happy Friday, Bill, to you as well. Uh, APG Show is also in there. This I've evening. heard of him. He, we have heard of him, haven't we? Yeah. Uh, Evan Shue. He's joining us as well. I, I dread to think what time it is where Evan is. Half past like silly o'clock. 60 past 4 minus 12 or something <laughs> like that. Right. Uh, our main man, <laughs> Uncle Micah, is also in there. He is wielding the blue spanner of doom, as always, looking after the chat room. Uh, Captain Ridiculous Wits, hello to you as well. Uh, good to see you in there. And uh, Masha, hello, Masha. Good to see you in the chat room as well this week, as always. And a welcome to one and all for joining us this Friday night. We are missing Armando tonight. Unfortunately, Armando is busy doing... Well, we, you really don't have to ask the question, really. Armando's doing what Armando does, which is fly aircraft. And uh, he's having lots of fun doing that, apparently, at the moment. More on that next week, hopefully. We'll have him back on the show. Uh, don't forget, if you are listening to our glorious voices on a audio podcast and you want to see how stunning we all look on the, on the visual side of things don't forget to check out youtube and also subscribe to plain talking uk on there and click that bell icon to be notified when we are live and on air as we are right now because uh, we'd love to have you in our chat room Absolutely. And, yeah, absolutely, yes. So we've, so we've got lots to get through tonight. We've got loads of news to get through, and obviously we're going to have a chat in there. We've got some military news as well, so don't panic. I know Jonathan Warner will be in there at some point this evening, hopefully. Uh, he uh, will uh, will love the military news this week, as always. Uh, but uh, if everyone's ready, if uh, the team is ready, let's do some commercial news. OK, let's go. The captain has turned on the seatbelt light. Please take your seats and fasten your seatbelts. And uh, also, Matt, you've had uh, Lee Davis has said in the chat room, your backdrop is awesome. <laughs> yes. It's the old Vulcan, isn't it, I think? Yeah, the Vulcan. Yeah, yeah. yeah very good. Very good indeed. Uh, this first story comes to us from flyingmag.com, airspeeder.com. That's an interesting website, airspeeder. And uh, Wikipedia as well. And it's crude flying race car debuts in Australia. So one for um, Grant McCarran and Steve Vischer, this one. Uh, a load, a louder, a louder aeronautics may be ushering in a new era with its release of the Airspeeder Mark IV, its first crude flying race car. The company touts the hydrogen-powered car as the world's fastest eVTOL aircraft with a top speed of 225 miles per hour, nearly as fast as Nev's banana. Uh, Alauda plans to publicly unveil the Mark IV at the South Star Innovation Festival on March the 9th. It will begin crude flight testing this spring and expects the flying car to race in its Airspeeder Racing Championships next year. And what will Airspeeder race itself? Its team entries are open for crews to join the roster in a competition of skill in allowed flying cars. The Mark IV's Thunderstrike engine utilizes 3D printed parts and technology developed for rocket engines, and the engine emissions will be pure water. Primarily, 
the Mark IV uses a gimbaled thrust system and artificial intelligence flight controls adjustments for steering, which the company says is far more precise than the tilt rotor steering used by most EV tiles. Matt's popped the pictures up on the screen there for those of you watching in YouTube world. Well, looks very smart. Uh, Airspeeder is an electric flying vehicle racing series based in London, United Kingdom. The aircraft uses electric vertical takeoff and landing, or eVTOL, technology and are designed to be crewed by human pilots. The first remotely piloted drag race between two airspeeder aircraft took place in November 2021. A remotely piloted racing series, Airspeeder EXA, began in 2022. Uh, for the 2022 Airspeeder EXA series, pilots will operate their speeders remotely using VR first-person view haptic suits although Airspeeder has yet to name racing locations. It previously targeted desert locals like Cuba PD in southern, uh, South Australia or the Mojave Desert in the U.S. state of California. Airspeeder has also noted that races could theoretically take place on any terrain in the sky tracks that utilize augmented reality. The series currently has three confirmed pilots, but Airspeeder plans on increasing that to five by the start of the season. So, Nev... Better get your application form in. I was going to say, yes, where, where can I sign up? Sounds great. <laughs> they are True. beautiful. So this is like race cars in the sky. These look beautiful. I mean, actually, all jokes aside, let me just pop up there. I know, I know it's a, you know an artist's impression and all that kind of thing. But, I mean, they look stunning, don't they? <laughs> if they look as good as that in real life, yeah. then I'll be really impressed. I will be really impressed. Yeah, there's, there's something about. I quite like. It's got that sort of sleek design feel about it, hasn't it? Look, it feels really good. If um, as I say, I'll make sure the uh, links are, are are in the uh, show notes. Obviously, if you want to take a look at these, if you're listening to the audio version of the show, but they, they are really they they look like drones, but you know, sort of like you know, very very polished and sleek. Uh, it's uh, it's it, they they do literally look like um uh, um. They look a bit like what's the the, the Sterling Moss um, car that he used to drive? It's got a real, you know, that little green bullet car. Uh, yeah. It's got that real sort of look about it, but with props on, isn't it? I love it. I just think it's brilliant. Yeah, I imagine what your uh, banana would like now. With, uh, with <laughs> well, that's a... propellers on. Yeah, I think we might have to. The uh, in fact, I'm just due to renew the insurance in the next Ooh. week or so. Perhaps if I did that, they might want to. The premium might go up somewhat. Mm, indeed. Uh, uh, just... <laughs> so with the car. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm here all week. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Oh, dear. Uh, okay, we'll move on then while Carlos Next is having story, his nervous Matt. breakdown. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> this, this, I mean, actually, this story, Matt, I saw this uh, break earlier on in the week and. Uh, I thought I didn't know what the cause this was, but Matt, you have the answer. Indeed, indeed. Uh, so, uh, severed cable forces Lufthansa to cancel more than 140 flights. Uh, this is in the New York Times, nytimes.com, and also the register.com as well. Thousands of airline passengers were stranded in Germany around the and around the world after a severed telecommunications cable knocked out Lufthansa's digital systems. The company said Wednesday, forcing the cancellation of more than 140 
40 flights. Lufthansa said it had been affected by an IT outage caused by construction work in the Frankfurt region and urged passengers travelling within Germany to rebook their travel on trains. Frankfurt is Lufthansa's main hub in Germany and the international airport is the country's largest. Uh, Deutsche Telekom, Germany's main telecom provider, confirmed that a fibreglass cable buried five metres or more than 16 feet underground had been severed by a concrete drill during construction work taking thousands of customers in the greater Frankfurt area offline. Lufthansa's Global Flight Operations Centre is based in the outskirts of Frankfurt Airport and it is here that disruption to the cables had happened. There's no insight into whether Lufthansa's presumed backup for that connection also failed as was the case with Aer Lingus in October last year. Aer Lingus execs claimed at the time that data was mirrored to separate sites by their IT services provider and that the lines had been replicated in both. Hmm. Mind you, I, to be fair, I suppose I mean you can be as resi- you know you can put as much resilience as you like in. I suppose at the end of the day, if that if that major cable that uh, that uh, you know is your link to the outside world, it doesn't matter if you use a different service provider. If the line is down, the line is down. I guess. Um, Shows you how uh, fragile these things are yeah. as well, yeah, and how much of an ongoing and knock-on effect mm-hmm. these sorts of things can have. Because obviously, it's not just the flights that are departing from Frankfurt; it's the flights and the ticketing, and presumably the flight plans and everything else uh, coming from uh, other international yeah. destinations into into Frankfurt. So, uh, imagine yeah, being that person who, who put your drill through the cable oh I, I, no i wouldn't want to be them i think there'd be an awful lot of uh, awful lot of shouting and, and and all sorts going on there really probably to be fair the people doing the work probably didn't even know there was anything wrong because um, because it well no because unlike um unlike electricity cables for example if you put the the uh you know a jack through that for example you get big loud bangs and sparks and you're thrown you know three and a half miles out of the hole uh if you put uh if you put a jackhammer through a glass cable i I mean it's a sort of a non-event is it apart from sort of masses of servers i mean ironically because it will have been a thick cable there's no two ways about that uh, and the drill probably hadn't gone all the way through but of course once you've got that fracture in place you just aren't going to get the, the data through i mean you and i if we have our internet go down we just switch to our 4g switch connection 4G, but yeah. you know let's be honest if you've got a server's worth of data to ping around the world it, no amount of 4g connections or 5g connections are necessarily going to give you enough throughput i wouldn't have thought i mean they must have gigabits worth of data going backwards and forwards each second uh, tell you what never just as well you were us bound last week and not um not to europe bound you know with um cables yes being, that that you know. could have messed things up um because mm. i was doing the the barcelona sectors um at the end of january and start of february so uh, yeah that that could have caused some mm. issues possibly uh, if it was um to do with that as well quite yeah. yeah. Well, I've got a, I've got a stack of uh, Ethernet cable. If the uh, if the guys <laughs> over at Lufthansa need some, you know, I can, uh, I'm sure that'll really help them, Carlos. Cat five, I think I've got some Cat five. Oh stuff. dear, not even Cat six. Oh dear. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, Dave. At least Cat five e. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's very stingy you are. Anyway, um, Nev. Yes. Stingy, good, stingy news from BA. A nice uh, segue there. Uh, it's on the lbc.co.uk website and also from Simple Flying. 
Uh, it says that the cabin crew searched for Scorpion on British Airways flight from Austin to London. Well, as reported by LBC, the BA flight from Austin International Airport to London Heathrow Airport was travelling with the anarchic stowaway to the shock of passengers uh, after it emerged in the cabin. One passenger, Luke Taylor, 25, irrelevant, uh, told LBC that he first realised something was wrong when several fellow passengers began, began standing up but initially assumed they intended to use the lavatory. However, it soon became apparent that, the, that something was wrong and word spread that a scorpion was on the loose. Uh, cabin crew conducted a mid-air hunt for the potentially dangerous scorpion, but to no avail. According to Taylor, one of the cabin crew who had spotted the scorpion remarked, that's not like any scorpion I've seen in Texas. Wow. Uh, the incident occurred around 45 minutes prior to the flight's scheduled arrival. Travellers sitting in the general area where the scorpion was spotted, <clears throat> excuse me, were moved to the uh, other empty seats around the aircraft for their safety. Fortunately, no passengers were injured during the scare and the flight touched down safely in London. Uh, British Airways said in a statement, the safety of our customers is our highest priority and we're sorry for any concern caused by this highly unusual event. Uh, the two most prevalent species of scorpion found in Austin are the striped bark scorpion and the Texas cave scorpion, both of which are mildly venomous but not a mortal threat to humans. I still wouldn't want to find one in my hand That's luggage, okay. do you know what it I mean? Doesn't actually, <laughs> this, the story, as interesting as it is, does not go into any detail about the outcome. Was the scorpion found? Oh. Um, or, you know, it's obviously whizzing around the cabin somewhere, but it doesn't actually say uh, what, what, the, what the final outcome was of this. <laughs> wow. Uh, but, mm. uh, no, I'm pleased to say that in my travels over the last three and a half weeks, there was no scorpion action. No excitement. Yet. Excellent. That's what we like. That's what we like to hear. Oh, dear. Hmm. Not I've never a been a big fan of scorpions, to be fair. Right. Okay. I, I'm, not, I'm not entirely sure many are. It's one of those creepy crawlies that you see on telly and you think, yeah, I really don't want to be putting my foot in a boot and standing no. on one of those. See, I'm, I'm old Bill, enough to be... Uh, in, in the chat room says, was it an, an emotional support? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, dear. I, I, I guess... see a lot of emotional support animals in my US travels. You did? Well. Um, we may talk about that a bit later on. But uh, Really? Yes. Really, I, I'm I'm genuinely quite shocked. Or on that late, I don't. Yeah. I bet these weren't on the BA flight either. No, anyway. no, no quite. Uh, it's a. I must admit, I've I've never really got over the like scorpions and stuff. Uh, if you're old like me, you'll probably remember. Um, oh, what was it? Well, they, they appeared twice, didn't they? You you got them in Jason and the Argonauts. They appeared, didn't they? These horrible oh, yes. little scorpion things. And then, of course, Clash of the Titans um, was the that big one, wasn't it? CGI. Oh dear, yeah. Hey, come on! In its day, the stop go motion was all they could do, and it was oh, stunning. I know, but I know, I know. nothing more terrifying, frankly, than the, oh no, no, no. Anyway, should we move on? <laughs> nearly, nearly as good as the CGI on the um, airplane films, hey, Nev? Oh, oh yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Again, you know, groundbreaking anyway, at the time. Moving on, moving on. Uh, next story, airlinerwatch.com, airlinerweekly.com, Reuters.com. Actually, you've not seen airline yet or airport yet, have you? No, I haven't. No. Film, no. Um, we need to sort that out. Anyway, this Maybe is, not tomorrow. Uh, We've got a lot to discuss tomorrow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> aerospace industry is far from healthy recovery, the headline for this. Although Boeing 
managed to increase its aircraft deliveries in 2022. A close look reveals that many of these were planes from the company's existing inventory that had been produced several months or even years earlier. In other words, the industry uh, industry's apparent rebound may be less comprehensive than it seems at first glance. Boeing's current aircraft production levels remain well below those seen at the industry's peak in the last decade. This is an indication that the aerospace sector is grappling with challenges and is facing a prolonged and arduous journey to return to pre-pandemic levels. Boeing reported a notable increase in aircraft deliveries last year, uh, rising from 480 to 340 uh, rising to 480 from 340 in the previous year. This surge is largely attributed to su uh, sufficient uptake in 737 MAX deliveries. With 387 aircraft, Boeing delivered 263 73 MAX in 2021. And in August of 2022, the American plane maker also resumed deliveries of the 787 Dreamliners, which have been paused for almost two years due to issues with the quality of the fuselage. Last year, the company delivered 31 wide bodies, a significant increase from the 14 units delivered back in 2021. While the reported figures indicate a, possible, a positive trend, the civil aerospace industry in the US is in fact experiencing a slower recovery than it might be inferred from its delivery numbers. This is because Boeing's production rates are still trailing behind its deliveries, primarily due to the fact that the company is delivering a large number of MAX jets that were manufactured during the 20-month period when the type was grounded. Boeing did not publicly disclose the actual production figures, but an industry analyst estimate the company's output in 2022 was approximately 23 737s and just a few 787s per month. This is a significant increase, or decrease, I should say, from several years ago when the manufacturer's factories were producing 53 737s and 14 787s each month. Airbus is also feeling the effects of uh, supply chain issues and deliveries fell by a third to 20 aircraft in January compared to 30 in the same month last year, the company said on Tuesday this week. Airbus has said... It's uh, close to weaning itself off Russian titanium, though some A350 supply risks remain. On the other hand, sources say steel capacity have moved up the list of concerns amid pressures, including debt restructure at Liber uh, supplier Liberty Steel, which has no immediate comment, and cabins are once again on the watch list with items as mundane as connecting rails for overhead passenger service units containing lights, fan and call buttons, which are also in running in short supply. Airbus delivered 661 commercial air aircraft in the fiscal year 2022, shy of the 720 that had been targeted. So what does this say? Does this say Boeing and Airbus need to employ more staff? Or well, to... I think what we've got to remember is, of course, with all those production delays with the 737 MAX aircraft, they've got to catch up at some point, and obviously they're, they're now doing that, but of course that massively impacts the production line for um, other series of aircraft on, on the same line, I would assume. And so they've got so much backlog that they had they delivered all the products that they were supposed to, uh, during that period, they probably would not necessarily be in such a bad situation, but because they've got this this backlog to deal with, that's uh, uh, that's quite a thing. And of course, we've got supply chain issues ongoing as well with electronics and, and that kind of stuff. So it's uh, mm. 
Um, yeah, th th this is a way off yet, fixing all this, um, definitely. Um, so, uh, but, uh, well, thank goodness they're back in production, but it's, um, it's a long road ahead, I think, isn't it? What I, what I think Boeing should do is move production, some of the production to, let's say, for instance, Norwich, and um, Norwich. I, I get a job there. Oh, I see. Oh, I see what you did there. It's all there. about yeah. you again, isn't it? <laughs> it's always, always been about Carlos. Uh, <laughs> oh, come on, Matt. You'd, you'd, you'd yeah. jump at the chance to get an IT job working at Boeing. Um, I don't know if I'd want the responsibility, to be honest with you. It's just to say, I mean, you, you imagine like Lufthansa going back to the story earlier with the problems that, you know, that that caused them. I mean, I don't know. It would be, it would be no different if uh, Boeing had an issue of a, of a similar nature. It's, uh, they get paid the big money for, for a good reason, don't they? Let's or, or just get you and Neb to sort out all the uh, IT stuff at Boeing. You know, that would... Yeah, 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 sure. Yeah, that that sounds like fun. We could do that. <laughs> well, we'll put you both on, you know, 100k a year. Okay, I think we could probably manage that. Yeah, there we go. We're sorted. There we go. That's Nev's retirement just plans sold. ruined. Excellent. Boeing Good. supply chain issues. Right. Okay. Lovely. Here on the show. Okay, we'll move on, shall we? Uh, Matt, <laughs> you've got the next story. You've got the next story. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, so it's thepointsguy.com is where this one is coming from, and the headline is United Updates Its Policy on Mistake Fares Gaming the System. Not sure what they mean by gaming the system, but anyway. Uh, so uh, John's very kindly put a little context in here just to help. So first off, for, for those that don't know, a mistake fare, basically an airline mistake fare is when an airline accidentally prices a ticket significantly lower than its usual rate. This can happen for many reasons, like a technical glitch or human error. In some regions of the world, the airline is legally required to honour the advertised fare, <laughs> even if it, it means selling the ticket at a loss. The uh, catch is that mistake fare are usually corrected within a few hours so you've got to be quick to snag one but if you're lucky enough you can find uh, it if you're lucky enough to find them uh, a mistake fare you can save a ton of money on your flight so on to the article mistake fares generate a lot of buzz but good luck getting them honored on united airlines uh, the chicago-based carrier updated its contract of carriage document on friday the 17th of february with some significant changes for those who purchase mistake fares effectively immediately United reserves the rights to cancel mistake fares which the carrier now defines as tickets priced at a zero or close to zero fare the airline also added a provision that it would reimburse any reasonable actual or verifiable out-of-pocket expenses incurred by the per uh, by the purchaser in uh, reliance upon the ticket purchase uh, in addition to the updates regarding mistake fares, the carrier also added some additional language around what it considers an improper reservation. In particular, consider yourself warned if you buy United flights that are or likely will be delayed and then make a claim or receive a benefit from United. In those cases, your ticket is subject to cancellation and United may also close your mileage plus account. Take away your mile, your miles, void any future flight credits, ban you um, from flying with the airline and assess you for any amounts owed in conjunction with these fraudulent practices. 
Presumably this is aimed at travellers who purposely book last minute delayed flights to collect compensation, uh, codifying a mistake fare policy into the contract of carriage doesn't actually change much from a passenger perspective. That's because US airlines must follow the Department of Transportation's policies, which actually include a, fare, a similar provision around mistake fares. A revised policy in 2015 allows carriers to cancel and refund mistake fares after demonstrating that they are indeed mistaken. United's update around the mistake fares mirrors the Department of Transports, though. This is the first time that the airline has codified the rule into its contract of carriage. Mm. Have you ever come across a, a uh, mistake fare, Nev? No. Well, it has, uh, but not in my favour, obviously. Oh, right. OK, yeah. No, fair. It's always been in the wrong direction. Mm. Uh, and I, to be fair to the BA, when I phone them up and they still, yeah, we've, we've got completely the wrong fare there. We'll, we'll give you the correct fare. But, uh, no, it's interesting, isn't it, that uh, I had no idea that this... Um, uh, this clause existed actually, uh, right? Where where the I don't know whether it's airline specific or perhaps it's on on mm. all airlines maybe, but um, and also I think yeah, I think it's interesting they're saying that um, it, depending on which country it is, you know, depends on whether they're obliged to honour that fare or not. And I do think we do. I think we have a similar policy here in the UK, don't we? Where if it's advertised at a certain price um, and you've managed to buy it at that price, that you are that they are obliged to honour it. I think, aren't they? That's my impression, but mm. I'm sure there is oh, something be, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the terms and conditions somewhere which yeah. would have been poured over by Several, very wealthy lawyers. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Uh, Who are very good at this sort of thing, yes. To say, <laughs> ah, actually, on this occasion, we're going yes. to... Uh, it's it's yeah. uh, Clause 5, subsection 4 yeah, uh, specifically <laughs> says that we are not liable yeah. to fly you at that price. Not going to happen, basically, yeah. All absolutely. I keep thinking about now is steak fares. I'd love to go to a steak fair. Right. Well, I know that this this sounds ridiculous, but having spent ten days in the United States, <laughs> fine country though it is, I never want to see another steak for at least a, a month and a half. Never. I never thought I'd uh, ever hear. You. Are you trying to tell me that you had too much steak? I I definitely was getting the meat sweats by, by <laughs> one evening. I think definitely. Um, so, but uh, love no, that. I mean, the highest quality meat you could ever wish for yep. in, in Dallas. But, Just a uh, lot of it. <laughs> most nights uh, it was a bit, it was a bit much, really. So I did relent on one night, I think, and went for the chicken and all the, the fish option. But, oh, yeah. it sounds like heaven! I can't wait to go out to the states <laughs> now. I'm very excited. Going to say right. hello to Neil and John, who joined us in the chat room. Hello, and, Neil and John. Uh, John is John is saying hello from Incheon, which oh. is South Korea, I think. It is, is it? Yeah. South Korea. Yeah, South Korea. Very good, very good. So he's uh, he's a few miles away from us here, but uh, Nev, you've got the next story, and uh, it's something that's that's just right up your alley here with um, these uh, sweets. Well, yeah, uh, on Qantas dot com and simpleflying.com again. Um, Qantas reveals A three fifties first and business suites for Project Sunrise. Now, 
If you remember, this is the uh, new series of flights that's going to be going from uh, directly from New York and London to Australia. And they've uh, unveiled some prototypes of the two cabins that will be carrying premium paying passengers. A virtual reality fly-through of the first and business class cabins posted by Qantas on Twitter promises the 18 to 20 hours spent inside these A350 aircraft to be some of the most comfortable and luxurious the airline will offer. Qantas has gone the extra mile in the first suites by not going for a traditional seat that turns into a bed, but a separate reclining lounge chair placed next to an extra-wide two-metre fixed bed. The six first suites, configured in a one-one-one setting, also feature personal wardrobe, dining table for two and a 32-inch ultra-high definition TV with Bluetooth connectivity. Naturally, all of this will be offered behind the privacy of a sliding door and the suite uh, also features six separate personal storage areas for items ranging from bathroom slippers to beverage bottles. Uh, the airline has also included all the other bells and whistles, including USB-A and USB-C, uh, AC and wireless charging outlets, customizable LED lighting and an adjustable bed backrest for be breakfast in bed. Well, in the business suites, these will be behind the first suites, will be 52 of these, and these are in a one-to-one configuration, uh, each offering full privacy behind sliding doors and maintaining direct aisle access for ease of moving around the cabin. Its other features include a two-meter flatbed, generous storage, including a large mirror, cushioned leather ottoman, an 18-inch ultra-high definition touchscreen TV, a large dining table, and feature lightning. Sorry, feature lighting. Lighting, that's what I was trying to say. Uh, like the first class offering, the business cabin also offers multiple personal device charging options, including wireless induction charging. The much-awaited well-being zone for passengers was absent in the last uh, latest reveal, but Qantas will unveil, unveil it alongside the premium economy and economy cabins in the coming months. I'm not sure I want to tr I'm ready for this yet um, but I suppose I must try and find a way of trying it one of these days um, I know my one of my industry colleagues does the um, the direct flight from Perth to London which is the best part of 18 hours I think it is something like that what what um, is it that, that you're you're not ready for is it the length of the flight well, or yes I mean I'm I, I you know like flying obviously yeah. but <laughs> when I get to about 13 and a half hours, which is what it is from London to Singapore, mm. the other way around, I can't reach which way it is, I, I get extremely fidgety and agitated as well. Mm. So um, with someone saying to me, oh, Nev, it's only another seven hours to go, the equivalent <laughs> of a New York to London flight, um, you go, oh, no. It's so, uh, But obviously, they're they're going full out here to try to make, make the um, experience as best as they can given the extraordinarily long flight times. Um, mm. I mean, I guess if you're going to do an 18-hour flight, then perhaps this is the kind of... I mean, to be honest, even even the business suite offering looks pretty incredible. Oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, you know, I think if you're going to do it, then, you know, 18 hours in that environment may be less challenging than perhaps cattle I, class, for You see, example. I'm not... I, this is going. It is not meant to sound snobby at all. So mm. I do apologise if I do come across <laughs> this that way. But can you imagine doing this in economy? I mean, people do it. I mean, that's what is being offered, and premium mm. economy as well. That is just going to be horrific, I would imagine. But mm. I, 
this is I do defer to the airline if it turns out to be a marvelous experience. I won't be doing it in economy though if we do do it. That's for sure. No, I'll leave that to um, other air travel. I I, th I think you're right, Nev. When when flights get to this kind of the time um, and distance, I think I think personally economy it just should be done on what it should be a premium product then your business you know because you you need you need leg room you need a recline at least mm. if you're in premium you know so in a premium economy. again getting slightly off topic here forgive my uh, naivety here but i mean realistically in the current climate and maybe maybe that's the i don't know i do they on do they re, do they sell their first class cabins out? Um, well, I think they get reasonable load factors right, in okay. them. Certainly. Um, but the, can can the, you see what I mean? Upgrade... I'm, so, I'm sort of thinking like if you so like you say the, I mean the first class cabin experience is incredible. I mean we've all seen what it's like on Emirates, for example. It's out of this world. You know you can have a shower in the in in air and all that kind of thing. Mm. But you know, I can't help but wonder if they would make more money having more business class sort of pods up well, for grabs. Yeah, I, of course, the thing is that so often, uh, let's talk about just the transatlantic yeah. traffic okay. just between Europe and the United States. The only way airlines make money on those sectors is in the premium cabins. And I don't mean premium economy, I mean right. business and first. Right. Um, that's where all the, the big revenue comes from and, and the highest spending people that, uh, that use it. So mm. when you're talking about... Um, you know many crew changes as well on this so if it's a let's say it's a 20 hour flight with flight time limitations being i don't know i'm going to pluck a figure out the air eight hours for right. the flight deck crew maximum mm. that's three changes of crew isn't it gosh yeah let alone yes. the cabin crew as well who can work slightly longer hours possibly but nonetheless that's uh yeah that's a heck of a thing now some people do prefer to go straight there and straight back um yeah. personally speaking i prefer if i was doing that flight again i would prefer a stop off in uh, dubai or singapore for a day something like that before i you know did, mm. did the next sector but uh, each to their own and clearly Qantas have identified a market and i know that the the uh, the prime minister you know challenged uh, airlines and aircraft manufacturers to to come up with this solution so you could go from mm. uh, uh, melbourne and sydney to to london uh, directly for so in one hit yeah so yeah i see the point lee davis has made in the chat room saying you know i was saying about the premium economy sort of thing earlier so us low earners are not allowed to fly long distances i i look as sad as i am look at flight prices just randomly every now and again just to see what airlines are charging because obviously emirates and they're doing a premium economy route um seating on some of their aircraft not on all the routes and a lot of airlines are adopting a premium economy pa um package or a seat to say ba do their they call theirs is it um well travel world, world traveler plus plus that's mm -hmm. it yeah um and you'd be surprised, you'd be actually, you'd be honestly surprised at how some airlines now price their premium economy seats to be very, very competitive when you compare them to an, an economy seat. Sometimes if you look hard enough online, because it does take a little bit of delving into uh, the websites such as Skytrax and that, but you can find a premium economy seat on an airline that maybe 
a hundred quid more than an economy mm. seat. And with yeah. the level of service you get, difference between an economy and the premium economy seat, especially with BA, because I've flown economy and premium with BA, you know, the level of service is different, the food's different, the cabin's different, the seat is different. Sometimes, for the sake of 100 quid, if you're flying six, seven, eight-hour yeah. flight, it's, it's a worth big it. difference, yeah, absolutely. It's worth uh, it, 100 quid. Although, to be fair, Neil Lamwon puts forward a very good argument. He says, give me enough gin and I'll pretty much sleep anywhere. Well... Um, <laughs> There is that. Yes. Um, so th this might be a good opportunity for me to sort of mention that actually I, I've now got a trip to the States to look forward to. Yes, we heard a rumour. Yes, we heard a rumor. indeed. So, um, ba well, long story short, basically, uh, Armando is flying me out to Charlotte uh, in October. Uh, and I am going to be in now. Now it is a BA flight number, but I think they do a code share on that, don't they? So it, with American, yeah, with American, with American yeah. yeah. So I've got and and but I am in um, premium economy, Ooh. so I'm quite excited about that. So um, I'm hoping to have a sort of like uh, yeah. So uh, bless bless Armando. He's he's basically f flying me out there for a week to go and spend a, a, a lovely week with. The family obviously there'll be lots of filming and stuff that we'll do i'm sure um, so but, we'll, we'll look forward to an mpe yeah an mpe yeah, yeah absolutely uh yeah neil's saying back on the 757 matt let's hope not uh that's all no, I'm saying. that'll be the triple seven matt oh will it Ooh, yeah. lovely i won't be poorly when i arrive the other end then that's no a you'll be fine but uh, no so yeah so that's uh very very exciting for me, can't wait to go to um, yeah, can't wait to uh, to, to go to that yeah October. It's going to be That'll very be very exciting, uh, and can't wait to sort of uh, go and see because that, that was the only trouble. Because I have been to the states uh, uh, with uh, you guys, um, which we did obviously to go to oh, the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Air yeah. Show. Yeah. But of course, it was I think I think we were in and out in less than four days, weren't we? That was the only sort of downside. Yeah, I think it was four days we went. Yeah, exactly. Pittsburgh. So brilliant um, time, though. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely incredible. It really was. Yeah. But uh, uh, onboard Wi-Fi, what live stream? Neil is suggesting. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I think that might be a technical step too far, even for me. Uh, but yeah. So yeah. So very much looking forward to this. Uh, as I say, quite quite interested. It's literally. It seemed like the right time to mention it. Obviously, while we're having the conversation with sort of premium economy versus economy and. Stuff. Uh, I'm not quite sure. It, it is direct this flight, which I was quite surprised about. Yeah, it is. About. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and how long is it roughly the flight? It's uh, just on seven hours. I think you're. I think you're on the same flight. I'm on in May. Oh, nice. That okay. Makes, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Lovely. So, yeah, because you're flying like me. You're flying direct to um, yeah. to Charlotte. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, uh, very good. Times. Yeah, get, getting back to uh, to to topic though. Um, uh, so Aaron P in the chat room, he was saying that uh, uh, try London to Hong Kong and return. That was achieved during COVID. That's a good point. That that's a long old flight, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah. But then quite often it, that used to be the halfway point for some of these airlines. Nev, wasn't it for like going to Australia? Yeah, a lot of them uh, stopped mm. off in uh, Hong Kong or Singapore. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then it's about an eight-hour eight-hour yeah. eight flight down to Melbourne and Sydney from there. Um, mm. 
but if you stop off in Dubai, obviously you've got a much longer flight. But some people prefer to spend longer in um, sort of have a couple of days in. Least, yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. My mum did actually. She did the same thing. She did. Uh, she went out to Australia and had. Uh, we actually had uh, friends who lived in Hong Kong at the time, and she had sort of three or four days. Uh, in Hong Kong and that was lovely because it gave her opportunity to sort of catch up with friends and and all that kind of thing but uh, yeah uh, interesting uh, interesting we'll on, uh, yeah sorry uh, just going back to the the to topic that was all uh, Aaron's also said the UK CAA have more than enough data to make it achievable so it's um, yeah very cool yeah. Uh, I was gonna say I, 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 I tell you what I wish we could go back a few years I, I would have loved to have tried that approach into Kitec wouldn't you, Nev? <laughs> yes. Yes, that would be nice. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, um, Neil saying again, sorry, uh, all joking aside, knowing your aviation history, it's great to see you going for it. Hope you have a great flight. Yeah, absolutely. The, the reality is, is as much as I don't like flying, uh, if you want to go and see uh, people like, you know, Armando and Micah and everybody you, you else. You go in the heart. In the heart. Yeah, you, you, you've got to do it, haven't you, at the end of the day. So, <laughs> you know, if it's going to be on triple seven, maybe I'll have a much more enjoyable experience i mean i have to say um i can't remember what aircraft it was that i went out to new york on um i think that was united um that was probably a seven six seven then if it yeah was, uh, but it was a, but that was a much better experience and coming home i pretty much f slept all the way home because we did the red eye back to um red eye back to london heathrow but you, i basically um... slept the whole way so i ended up driving home because i was i was you know fine <laughs> Go, go on your YouTube, Matt. Yes. And and YouTube um, American seven triple seven two hundred premium economy. There's some good videos on there from people who have travelled okay. in the premium seat, and it's nice to see what you're you're going to get. Indeed, indeed. Needless so, to say, I'm yeah. very excited. So yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, going to be good fun. Anyway, sorry, we're slightly off topic. Sorry about that. Yeah. <laughs> Next story comes to us from ArabianBusiness.com and TravelWeekly.co.uk, and the headline we have an interesting one. This one: Last year, Emirates recycled plastic and glass to the equivalent weight of an A380. Why <laughs> do they actually weigh every single piece? Anyway. Uh, keen to highlight its green credentials. Obviously, we always like to have an environmentally friendly story on the show. Uh, Emirates has announced that during 2022, the airline recycled more than 500,000 kilos, or 1.1 million pounds in weight, of plastic and glass, the weight almost equivalent to one of the carrier's flagship A380s. The milestone was achieved by collecting discarded bottles used on its uh, flights, which are subsequently sent for repurposing. On board Emirates flights, the cabin crew separate glass and plastic bottles uh, loaded back in Dubai and then sent to local recycling plants. Emirates' glass and plastic onboard recycling initiative was initially suggested by environmentally conscious cabin crew back in 2019. The suggestion arose as part of regular webinars and the events where staff were keen to be given a platform to share feedback and encouraged to share innovative ideas with key departments. For the last six years, the airline has offered sustainable blankets made from recycled plastic bottles to economy passengers on long-haul flights. Each blanket, described as soft and warm by the carrier, is made from 28 recycled plastic bottles. Wow, that's a 
hell of a blanket. Uh, over the six years since the initiative was introduced, Emirates claims that producing these economy blankets has prevented more than 95 million plastic bottles from going to landfill. For Emirates' youngest travellers, the airline's complimentary toy bags, baby amenity kits and plush toys are also made from recycled plastic bottles and other sustainable materials. Belt bags, duffel bags and backpacks handed out to children travelling on board Emirates flights are constructed from yarn made from 100% recycled plastic bottles and each Emirates kid backpack is made from five recycled plastic bottles. God, it must be a small bag. And each duffel bag is made from seven such plastic bottles. The production of Emirates children's bags has saved 8 million plastic bottles from going into landfill. Well, they're certainly doing a bit for the uh, environment, Emirates are. And uh, all I can say is I wouldn't want to hold a match to that blanket. <laughs> I, I'm sure it's been treated. I think you'll be fine. Don't, <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. It all will be well. well uh, I suppose you could kind of scrunch the blanket up and use it as a... As a I have no uh, doubt it'll feel no different to any other blanket. Hmm. You know, it's uh, yeah, it's a great thing, really. Love it, absolutely love it. Oh, uh, local recycling plant in Dubai. Does that mean throwing it into the desert? <laughs> yeah, probably. Just oh, to, I'll tell you, just I'll tell melt you quick, into the glass. Yeah, I'll tell you a quick little story, right? This, Ooh. this is this is to go with this story. It's it's aviation theme, so don't panic. Many moons ago, after the, the few days after we got married, Matt, you remember that day? Yes, I do, just about. And we had our honeymoon on the Maldives, in one of the islands in the Maldives Islands. And we flew into Mali to get the seaplane. And I don't know if it's still there now, but back in 2011, whenever it was, 2011, um, the approach into Mali, the, air, the airport there, flew over an island of rubbish. What? Yeah, true story. Literally an island full of rubbish, land, you know, landfill rubbish and stuff. I that's, don't know whether it's still there, that's but crazy. Um, not what you expect to see when you're flying no. somewhere as beautiful as the um, the Maldives. Wow, wow. Yeah. We, we wouldn't have put that down. Yeah, it's. Uh, no. But then I, I guess it has to go somewhere, isn't it? And and they're quite. I mean, if you uh, you know, there's quite often jokes, isn't there, about like islands in you know on the outskirts of the US that that you know have got like piles and piles of rubbish on them and all that kind of thing. You know, they literally call it trash island, don't they? I guess it's that sort of yeah. thing. Indeed. Are we buffering, or is that uh, just you two being... Um, no no warnings here. here, so I think we'll carry on, if that's Matt? OK with everyone. I'll soon shout if there's a problem. Uh, Matt, you've got uh, the next story, and um, <laughs> I, I just love the headline. OK, yes, it, uh, pilot thought co-pilot who died in cockpit was joking. That's a her terrible headline. Uh, BBC.com forward slash news uh, is the source for this. It's Lancashire is where the stories come from. A flying instructor who held a class one medical died in flight whilst flying with a qualified pilot. A qualified pilot who had planned to fly GBORL from Blackpool Airport to another airfield. But when he arrived at the flying club and checked the latest wind he decided the crosswind was above his personal limit to fly on his own still wanting to go flying so that he remained within the flying club's regency requirements the uh the pilot asked an instructor if he would accompany him for a single circuit the instructor agreed to fit in the circuit after he finished his trial lesson following the trial lesson the instructor met with the pilot in uh, GBORL 
and the pilot taxied the aircraft out to the runway. The pilot recalled that during the taxi they were talking normally. He recalled telling the instructor he would keep the aircraft into wind for uh, power checks and the instructor replied, looking good, there is nothing behind you. The pilot didn't recall the instructor saying anything else after this point. The pilot recalled that shortly after takeoff from runway 28, the instructor's head rolled back. The pilot knew the instructor well and thought he was just pretending to take a nap whilst the pilot flew the circuit. So he didn't think anything was wrong at this stage. He proceeded to fly the aircraft around the circuit as he turned into base, in, onto the base leg, the instructor slumped over with his head resting on the pilot's shoulder. The pilot still thought the instructor was just joking with him and continued to fly the approach. He landed normally on runway 28 and started to taxi back to the apron. However, the instructor was still resting his shoulder on his, resting his head on his shoulder, and was not responding to the pilot. And the pilot then realised something was wrong. He signalled to the airport fire crew, uh, who happened to be working on the apron, who came to assist the fire crew and the air ambulance medical crew, who were based at the airport, attempted to revive the instructor, but he remained unresponsive, and they were unable to save him. A review by the Civil Aviation Authority. Authorities medical department concluded the instructor had died from acute cardiac arrest. The authority said it continually reviewed health guidance and the rarity of accidents caused by cardiac events in flight suggests the balance is currently about right. Such a shame. Yeah, I mean, a very sad story, obviously, mm. but um, yeah, I mean, again, I suppose it, uh, if there can be one... Uh, um, you know, I, 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 he wasn't flying the plane on his own, for example, at the time of yeah. something like this happening. So, you know, just just awful for the family, isn't it? Um, you know, goes off to work, if you like, to go and do, no doubt, the job he absolutely loves. And that was it. I think when, you're, it. when you are, you know, when you're flying or mm. learning to fly and you, you are focused heavily mm. on what you're doing, when you're sitting there with an instructor, you know, you are focused on flying the aircraft instrument, checking your instruments and stuff like that. You, you probably would, t that would take a kind of back seat as to, you know, what, what's it, what's he doing? You know, yeah. Cause you, you are. But then if you, as he's, as he's saying, he knew the instructor well, so it sort of rather suggests that he got yeah. a bit of a reputation for having a bit of a muck around and, and all that kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? It sort of doesn't sound like this was perhaps out of character for him to pull a prank like this. Um, you know, and it's just like, ha, 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 very funny. Um, yeah, and then it turns out it was uh, it was uh, for real. Wow. Mm. Wow. Well, it's a sad story. Mm. And um, as Matt said, you know, he, he obviously passed away doing something he probably very much loved and did. Yeah, absolutely. But from a sad story to a very happy story, Mr. Bounds, with the next one for you. Yes, a very different uh, angle on things, I must say, with this one. <laughs> uh, this is on uh, the insider.com. Uh, it says that two flight attendants got married in front of a plane in a wedding full of nods to their love story. Well, uh, Audrey and Alex Chalbay, both 27, went to Dallas, Texas for three weeks in 2018 to complete their in-flight training on their way to becoming flight attendants. There are over 300 people at training, but Audrey told insider Alex uh, caught her eye by their third day in Dallas. 
We got very close in three weeks, Audrey said. Chow Bay said that they think of their experience at training as similar to being on a dating show because they spent almost every moment together for weeks. After training, Alex and Audrey got stationed in different cities, but they knew they wanted to try to be together. Alex frequently visited Audrey, allowing their relationship to blossom. Fast forward a few months, and they were both stationed in Houston together, uh, where they planned their wedding for September the 3rd, 2022, and they started looking for a venue in the Houston area, but nothing felt right as they wanted something distinct from other weddings that they had attended. Uh, the Chow Bays decided to focus on something they both loved, which is flying, of course. We're both obviously into aviation, uh, Alex said, but both of our families are also in aviation. We both just grew up with airplanes around us. So I was like, how cool would it be if we found a way to pull this off? Well, Lone Star is home to a myriad of uh, airplanes that still fly today. So it serves as a museum, learning centre and hangar. And the pair said that they immediately felt comfortable in the space and they knew that it would be perfect for their nuptials. However, the planes in the museum rotate so that they couldn't know what their venue space would look like until days before their wedding. Because they tied their knot at the museum, the planes at Lone Star acted as much of the decor. Alex and Audrey built on the theme with aviation touches like plane-shaped place cards and a passport-inspired welcome sign. Uh, the couple got married with an airworthy DC-3 in the paint scheme of Continental Airlines as their backdrop, and the museum's DC-3 was produced in 1940 and fittingly flew seven years for American Airlines. Ah, oh, isn't that nice? I, I'm just going to pop this last picture up again. I did, I did pop them. Uh, that, but, I mean, look at that, you know, I mean, somebody's beautifully buffed that aircraft haven't they it's got a real gorgeous shine on it well i mean what a cool cool place to get married yeah <laughs> what a really cool place i dare say if uh, Gemma would have allowed it carlos would have done something very similar but oh uh, we had we had aviation themed table names if you remember mate. yeah no i don't yeah no no i no. No. You were too busy doing your job. At the that, time. That'll be it. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, it wasn't anything to do with the fact that I was absolutely hammered most of the afternoon. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, indeed. Uh, yeah, lovely story, as you say, Nev. As I say, I love, I love the photos of that. They, they do, they do just lend themselves some of these venues, don't they? To, uh, to, to this, as I say, and it doesn't. Weirdly, it doesn't look like a. Um, you know, like a cold hanger. Do you know what I mean? It's just got that really lovely vibe about it with some of the historical pictures on the wall still and stuff. I think that's Very just great. Good. I love it. I like love that. It. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, hello to Stuart Aslett joining us in the chat room. Good to see you in there, Stuart, this evening. Indeed. It's all his fault. <laughs> I know. So uh, we've uh, got some uh, military news coming up in just a bit, but uh, mm. we're going to... Uh, we're going to have a, a bit of a kind of sit down and chat and have an NPE session We have a, we have a lot, lot to catch up with Nev, because, don't we? Because uh, obviously, what... as most of you know who uh, regularly tune into the show, we've been missing a Nev uh, for the last uh, th three weeks, haven't we, Nev? We've been missing you. But you've been doing a hell of a lot of flying in and around uh, the States especially. Um, but um, Nev, I mean, obviously you've... Um, it's it's been for work purposes. We must make that a point of saying that. It's not been, all, it's not been a jolly... You have had to do some work, although you have had a few um, glasses of Pinot, I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. out there. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, um, 
back to aviation, Nev. Obviously, what what was the uh, what was the first? Um, well, it all started off really uh, for our trade show that we do, the big one in Barcelona. So that was a flight from Heathrow to Barcelona, uh, A320 with uh, uh, British Airways. Very nice. Uh, lots of my industry chums on that aircraft. Um, and I was sitting, I think I was sitting in one Alpha, uh, unusually. Um, what? And uh, very out as of character. people boarded the aircraft, <laughs> I, I said hello to most people because I did know them. Uh, people I've worked with or, or people I knew from the industry and the fellow that was sitting next to me in one Charlie um, was not from our industry and he said to me mate he said I don't want to be rude he said but do you know everybody on this aircraft I went, <laughs> nearly yes yeah, almost yeah absolutely <laughs> so that was nice so we had uh, a week's worth of work in Barcelona very full-on very hectic but very enjoyable great city by the way great city for for walking and the food is not expensive at all that was, oh, the, wow. that was the nice thing about it it was all very reasonable and of course the weather was fairly sensible too sort of mm. 14 15 degrees uh, this show has recently moved from Amsterdam nothing wrong with Amsterdam but it's normally two degrees <laughs> at the same time of year so mm -hmm. that was a bit nicer uh, and then we had a week off I'm putting that in inverted commas because I didn't have a week off I was um, uh, ended up flying to Stockholm for two days um, so that was nice um, but then uh, came the Saturday the 11th I think it was of February and it's my first trip ever on an A380 which was magnificent what an really? aircraft that is and it is so quiet I mean you would not believe it. I was upstairs in 53 Alpha so that's um, one of the window seats upstairs and honestly you could not hear the I'm not joking you could not hear the engines being started really that's how quiet it was and even when we're trundling down the runway as Matt hopefully is going to play a bit of video from this now um, apart from the rather long takeoff roll because I think they must have been using a, a reduced takeoff thrust but it is just not loud at all um, you had and, a good view from there Nev yes it wasn't bad was it not bad at all um, uh, but um, quite a full flight I would say uh, this was over to Dallas so this is about a 10 hour flight directly to Dallas Fort Worth um, on the BAA380 which was of course all of these aircraft were um, stored in Madrid for a long time during the pandemic um, so there's still a few things that don't quite work properly in the seats so the two of my colleagues that I was traveling with actually got moved from their seats they were in uh, row 10 uh, on the lower deck um, there was some faulty uh, electrics with the seats I think so uh, they ended up coming upstairs with me. I allowed them to come upstairs. Oh, that's very good of you, Nev. Thank you. Oh, yes, so kind of you. So you, so you were in um, BA's World Travel. No, I was in oh. the, the Club Europe. Oh, Club Europe. Club Europe. In case anybody from the firm is listening, from my firm, I did pay for that myself. So because <laughs> our company doesn't allow uh, mm. any of that kind of travel. Mm. Uh, I think if you're... I think the policy is if you're traveling over eight hours you're allowed premium economy um but you know you're not allowed to book a business class right basically unless you pay for it yourself so your a380 experience your first experience of 38 was a positive one oh marvelous now of course they these these had the old club uh, europe seats in so they're a little bit well they were comfortable enough but that they've, they've been 
they've not had the opportunity of the, of the club suites upgrade that the newer aircraft have had. Um, but of course, as I say, these were stored in Madrid for some time during the pandemic because obviously BA weren't using them at all. Uh, but they've brought them all back into service now and it's a great aircraft. I know we keep saying it was ahead of its time and, you know, it's no longer being produced, which it isn't, etc. But I think my colleagues in premium economy and a couple I spoke to in economy, they were saying it, the experience was just as good in, in terms really? of what the aircraft is. So uh, if long haul is your thing, an A380 is not a bad place to be. And again, the Middle East carriers, I would imagine, um, you know, the Emirates and, and co um, must also be great, I would imagine. So uh, that was great. That was so cool. other aircraft, Nev, you got to fly on a, a very large Dreamliner. I did. That was on the way back, though, but, of course, I had to go from oh, yes. Dallas to Portland, first of all. Uh, and that's a, It's only about that far on the map, but it's three hours and 45 minutes flying time. Oh, wow. With a two-hour time difference as well. So we're going back in time another two hours. <laughs> so it's now eight hours behind the UK. Uh, and this is an American Airlines A321. Um, and I was, I was a bit... I was a bit unsure whether to play this next clip or not. Um, I hope I hope YouTube doesn't block it or I don't get into trouble with the, with the airline. But I'm always keen on listening to people's safety demos, you know, how much detail they go into. And I thought, I'm just going to record this and, 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 and see, see what we think. So um, Matt's just going to play this one out uh, for us now so we can listen to it. Obviously, I am joking slightly. <laughs> I was going to say, is, but, there, a, is there a fault much. on that file there? But, but not <laughs> much. Um, considering briefing the passengers is a safety critical item, I would have thought that it would be a great idea for the cabin crew to um, do it at a reasonable speed, maybe slow it down a bit, bearing in mind that... Many people on that flight were not speaking English as their first language. Now, right. that's not the crew's problem. I, I get that. But honestly, it was so rushed. And I don't know. If you're a regular flyer, you probably do know what to do in yeah. an emergency. But really... But you can't make assumptions got, like that, can you? They've I mean, got to do yeah. a better job than that. And I did actually send... When, when they sent me the, the form to mm. say, did you enjoy your... American Airlines flight? Are, are any suggestions that you've got for us that could improve? Yes. Do the safety briefing properly. <laughs> um, also, the flight was 90 minutes late. These things happen. Not an acknowledgement of that from the captain at all. Just oh, like oh really? Bus. Um, so, yeah, bit of a shame. Um, comfortable enough, certainly. Um, I was in their first-class section, which is called a, sort of our business-class section. Really. It, was, it was okay. Um, but, um, yeah, safety briefing. Could we have one? And could we do it properly? Gosh. That would be okay. what I would say. So that was that. Yeah. Um, now, you may be aware that I'm a fan of the, the Blue Oval um, vehicles, the, the Ford types. Um, <laughs> I don't know if Matt's got a picture of the Ford Expedition that we uh, rented uh, whilst we were out there. Um, that's, uh, that is a heck of a car, actually. And um, it's, um, I looked oh. it up, it was 440 brake horsepower. Wow. With a three and a half litre V6 engine in it. 
Um, and um, our one looked a bit like a hearse, actually, but it certainly didn't drive like one. It was, it went like the clappers. Um, and here it is. Um, now, if they did one in orange or yellow, I would have that on my drive. <laughs> oh, would you? Oh, Mrs. is that nice? Mrs. would not have it on no, the okay, drive, fine. but I certainly would. Um, <laughs> so is that like is, a sort of like a, an SUV on steroids type uh, sort yes, of thing? Yeah, it's yeah. a 10-speed automatic, Oof. and there were six of us in there at one point with Ooh, nice. full luggage, and it went like stink. You would yeah. not believe how fast this was. Uh, obviously, it's got an average MPG thing. <laughs> ah, right, um, okay. We couldn't get it beyond 19. Gosh, uh, I, I'm impressed try. with 19, Nev, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but with gas or their fuel only, yeah. well, there it was just under $3 a gallon. Yeah. You can afford to do it, can't you? Really? You can, absolutely. Okay. I mean, uh, you know, would I, want to be running, would I want to be running such a thing around uh, London or something like that? Probably not, but... Uh, uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron P says try parking that at Tesco's. Good point, yeah. well made. Although, well, actually, my colleague Stephen, who was driving... It's got a seriously low ratio um, steering rack, so it was really, really easy to park from that point of view. Oh. Although you couldn't see all four corners, four corners, of the car no, no, all the time. Anyway, lots of sensors, though I'm sure. So there's oh, lots plenty of, of plenty of beeping. Yes, yes. absolutely, yeah, the best so, kind. So yeah, that was indeed. in Portland, uh, Oregon. That's up on the northwest Pacific coast, uh, yeah. where our HQ is. Very interesting going around our factory once again. That was mm. fascinating as always in our distribution centre. Um, and then uh, we flew back on a British Airways Boeing 787-10, which I think was a last-minute aircraft swap, actually. I think it was a Dash 9 we are supposed to be going back on. Um, there was only about 120 people on the flight. I was oh, counting wow. them in, in, the, um, in the gate area when we went back. So it's obviously a very long aircraft. Uh, but this is equipped with the new club suites. Um, so, uh, Matt, if you can bring up the picture with the, the, the seat uh, in it itself. Um, that's quite a... It looks quite a comfy place to be. I, I mean, and it is. It's got a nice inertia real seat belt, like you're a, you know, in a real car. Um, what you can just see in the bottom left-hand corner there was uh, uh, the, the actual the, the screen you can pull across into, into the gangway. Um, and then you've got quite a decent sized screen there as well. Um, so that was, that was really nice. I didn't actually use that much of it really. Um, uh, because I was just listening to podcasts and, and that kind of thing. Got a couple of other pictures here, which show you the, the, the seat area and the screen. So you can see there's plenty of storage space and that kind of thing. But no, no matter what position I put this, these flatbed things in, I could not get properly comfortable at all. It was, it was quite arduous. It was a very quick flight, actually, coming back. It was um, less than eight hours. It was, uh, sorry, less than nine hours. It was about eight hours, 45 minutes, coming back from Portland to, to Heathrow, which was, you know, pretty good going. Uh, <laughs> very smooth as well, I've got to say, uh, for a nice change across the North Atlantic, because it can be a bit bumpy. Um, but um, no, it was it was a very very smooth flight indeed, um, and no complaints about that. But yeah, for me, I just couldn't quite get the the seat good enough to for, for my back. Um, landed at Heathrow, no problem at all. But as usual, we waited for fifteen minutes, or was it twenty minutes? For the stand guidance to be turned on <laughs> seems to be the normal thing there and of course a lot of my colleagues have got connecting flights back to edinburgh uh, brussels amsterdam that i can think of mm. and they miss those connecting flights most of oh them no because of that delay 
Um, and we were an hour late leaving anyway, so it just added to that. But, you know, everybody got home. But uh, One thing I'd like to say... Man. Is a, is a favourite aircraft of mine. I do like it a lot. Um, and again, I know I keep going on about it, but this reduced cabin altitude because they're using composite materials um, so mm. that the, the pressure differential is a lot uh, greater, so you have a much uh, more... Um, the air is not so yeah. dry in the cabin and you've got much more moisture in there. So I think that the cabin altitude is about... Five and a half thousand feet, something oh, like wow. that. That does actually make quite a difference when you get Not off bad. the other end in terms of how well you might feel. Mm. Having said that, it's been a real struggle this week for all of us, uh, all my colleagues. We've been waking up at ridiculous times, you know, two o'clock in the morning for two hours, then going back to sleep and for, on, into a very deep sleep. I think probably because we've had that this, we've been so busy mm. and none of us are as young as we used to be so it is starting to affect us a little bit um but yeah it's taken i mean we arrived back monday uh just after lunch uh, uk time uh i managed to stay up until about nine o'clock so i thought oh that's okay and normally by the next day i'm okay or certainly the day after but actually it got worse as the week has gone on for some reason but i think that's again taking a second flight up to portland from dallas which is another two hours out of whack with with time distances one thing that it does remind me of though is or, or worth thinking about at least i don't know how these crews do it at whatever age they are whether yeah. you're operating the flight in the flight deck or cabin crew it's really hard work um and mm. if you're doing this all the time it must be quite debilitating mm. especially when the circadian rhythm is mucked up and you, you can't get a decent night's sleep for the, for the average passenger like us, it doesn't really matter because we just sleep it off or we, you know, we, we muddle through. But if you then got to operate another flight in a couple of days' time or you're on minimum rest, that kind of thing, the, these, these long-haul sectors, I mean, that wasn't that long-haul by, by real international standards, especially the, in the Asia routes, but it's really tiring. And, you know, it does take it out on the crew. And... So often when I'm speaking to the crews these days, they're saying, yeah, we're on minimum rest all the time. We, we very mm. rarely get two days down route like, like we used to back in the day. We're, we're on 24 hours off and then we're, we're back on the next, uh, next yeah. flight, you know. So I know. I, uh, well, so I, mean, I always have a lot of sympathy and understanding for mm. all the people that are operating these flights because it's, yeah. it's a bit of a slog, that's for sure. It is. It's, um, uh, and it's one of those things that sort of, I suppose, catches up with you over time as well, doesn't it? You know, it's... Uh, you never really get over. You never really. I mean, it's. I mean, quite often. Uh, I mean, one uh, a really good friend of mine is cabin crew, and they're always, um, you know, battling jet jet lag every time they. Even when they're off, that's the problem, isn't it? Because they're just so used to being in different time zones and and all that kind of thing. And I guess you know they say you should sort of operate as best you can in the time zone that you're normally in. But like, of course, that doesn't in reality work, does it? Because you know, you you might arrive in the middle of the day, and you know, you can't necessarily go to bed because their crew rests are so short. Sometimes there isn't enough time to have a full night's sleep before you're then on your way home well, again. You know, it's sort of exactly. minimum rest. And, and I remember stuff. talking to Captain Nick, you know, um, before mm. he uh, retired, you know, in, in the last sort of year. Yeah, and you've got to think about that as well, where you know he's, he's operating. Um, uh, he's done an overnight flight from, I don't know, San Francisco mm. or JFK, something like that. He's 
back in the car and he's got a one hour drive home or something like that you know at seven or eight o'clock in the morning i mean that that's that's quite difficult to do i would think as well mm. and the john jester in the chat room is just saying wednesday he went to ams uh, amx to sorry ams amsterdam to lax and then thursday into friday he went to lax into incheon which Oof. is a, that is a one heck of a slog mm. yeah. so but yeah it, it's um it's it's hard work i say even being as a uh, a passenger as I am, I'm, mm. I'm finding this week quite difficult, I must say. Yeah. Um, I'm sure tomorrow will be much better because we're all going to get together tomorrow for a cuck meeting in, the, yeah, in yeah. the PTUK restaurant, aren't we? We are in the, in the, is, is that what it's now known as, the PTUK yes. restaurant? Oh, very good. Totally. Uh, uh, before so, we move away from your, your trip, Nev, uh, I've got uh, two things that are a highlight of this last picture. Uh, the first of all, uh, the one showing that you, you had an altitude of seven metres. I rather enjoyed that, I've got to be honest. And uh, also, very, very sad news, it has the words there, Wi-Fi unavailable. That's very, yes, very sad. Uh, it's because yes. we were on the ground at the time, I suppose. Oh, right, um, OK. Yes, uh, the, the Wi-Fi doesn't get switched on until about 10,000 feet. All right, fair enough, it's OK. And like uh, uh, you've got I take it questions... Back. In the show notes, haven't you, to go to quick questions to run through in there? Yes, oh. I have. Let's have a look. Um, yes, a few people have been asking some questions. Mm. Um, what tier level am I at now? Well, I'm still at the gold level, and then there's another level sort of above that when you get to 2,500 tier points. I'm just going to probably hit that, I would imagine, before uh, April the 8th, which is when the, the cutoff point is for, for me. Um, and that gives you a gold, sort of a potentially of a, an upgrade uh, once you get to a certain level in business class, I think, as well. Um, the product differences, um, what were the product differences on BA between the A380 and the 787-10? The main thing is that the 787-10 is all equipped with these new club suites, um, which are, I'd say, very nice, but for me, I just couldn't get comfortable. Uh, and I actually preferred the old one from that point of view. Having said that, there's a lot of people that are saying that the club suites are really nice, and they certainly are. Um, I just didn't have enough time to fiddle around with the seat and all the paraphernalia to, to, to get into a comfortable position for, for myself. So, um, the general, what was the general feel of the aircraft? For example, cabin air and sound. Well, both aircraft really, really quiet. No two ways about it at all. The only thing I would say about the 787 coming back was I was at the front of the business class section, just behind the first class bit, um, and it was a bit stuffy. That there didn't seem to be a very nice amount of airflow going on because normally you go on these flights and it's quite cold during the night, oh. isn't it? Uh, but it was quite warm and a bit stuffy, so not ideal, I have to say. Um, the what were the food offerings on um, the aircraft? Well, both were very good, I've got to say. Um, just they they do feed you a lot of food though, um, <laughs> and again when you're coming back from the US and they wake you up for breakfast and you've already had a, a meal on the aircraft quite late really so probably 10 o'clock at night local time then you've got an eight hour time difference coming into London and they serve you quite a big breakfast I, I didn't go for that I just had a cup of coffee actually because I was completely stuffed uh, but no very high quality no no complaints at all uh, from that um, Lee Davis says, have we got rid of the 747 too soon? Well, yes, actually. I mean, I still think that is a completely uh, valid aircraft. Um, 
obviously the change from four engines to two it's all about the economy of the whole thing and the, the fuel cost and all the rest of it but you're not going to get an A380 with two engines operating I don't think uh, into the air um, so I, I think that the 747 had the fuel costs not being prohibitive and had the reliability and the uh, smoothness of the two engine aircraft like the A350 and the 787s etc uh, not been as good then I think yes we, we could have got some, some more um, mileage out of the 747s I would have thought um, but um, and Neil Lamwand asks given that the it's not going to be produced anymore what do I think the legacy of the A380 is going to be um, well before I got on one I, I thought it was a bit of a waste of time I, I didn't really see the point of it um, but having now flown it um, on a you know a long-haul route you know a 10-hour route to, to Dallas um, I would say that I did get there feeling reasonably refreshed um, and not as fatigued as I would normally be um, because it is so quiet that and that the thing with sound or noise generally is that you don't really fully realize how much fatigue that brings and actually in, in my job we do a lot of research on um, things like sound masking solutions and noise cancelling solutions and stuff like that so we, we know a lot about sound and noise generally uh, and there's no doubt about it if if there's uh, a lot of noise for a long period of time it is very debilitating uh, mm. and you don't know it until you've got to the end of the flight when it's like someone's turned a switch off you go Oh, that's a lot better. But I always get a bit spaced out in that scenario. Do you know yeah, what I mean? You I get that. You get that sort of like slightly weird, sort of almost frustrated, sort of like you know, come on. Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mm. Um, one thing which was new to me, though, um, I didn't realise that going to America, they no longer stamp your passport. What? Mm. How about that? Mm, rubbish. So um, they just take a photo of you, a couple of fingerprints, and sh straight through. Mm. On our flight, however, was a um, a well-known uh, heavyweight boxer called Anthony Joshua. I've heard of him. Ooh. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Very tall fella. You, you didn't upset not, him, did you? You would not want to pick an argument. <laughs> no, I, I bet. think he was yeah, in yeah, first yeah. class. Yeah, yeah. But, um, a lot of people were getting selfies with him, actually, in the immigration area before he was. He went to the the, the front desk. I can't imagine that happening at Heathrow some, somehow. Really? <laughs> yeah. A lot of finger-wagging and, no, you're not allowed mm. to do that. But uh, the, my American colleagues over there were very very relaxed about the whole thing. So, uh, so that was nice. Um, nice for the, the kids and, and the people that had a photo taken with them as well. So that, that was pretty nice. But, yeah, no, um, no more uh, stamping, unless you ask for it to be stamped, actually. Uh, Neil's just um, um, sorry. Uh, Mike has just mentioned that in the chat room. Right. But um, all I wanted to do after a ten and a half hour flight was you know, <laughs> get, get the, your bags and get, get the heck out of there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you had a good time anyway, Nev. It was. I'm not ready for another one just yet. Um, but uh, I've got some more flying coming up in the next few weeks off to Edinburgh uh, and Stockholm. And uh, oh, Mr. And Mrs. Nev and I are going to. Um, Jersey for a, a oh, long lovely. weekend at the end of March as well. So, uh, oh, you'll enjoy that. that. Um, but um, yeah, it's uh, probably not a. Uh, it, it was a great trip, but uh, 
very tiring one because although there's lots of you know socializing and all the rest of it you're kind of on duty the whole time really you've got customers and you've you know the, the time for relaxing was limited i have to say but uh, having said that it was very enjoyable but i'm a little tired now i can imagine well it's good to have you back anyway now Thank you. yeah indeed. indeed well thanks for that nev it's good to hear about your trip and uh yeah it's good very good to hear indeed obviously we'll have an mpe in october this year <laughs> from uh, matt all about his trip <laughs> and uh There'll be a, a CPE in May when I get back Lovely. from, from the US. So Lovely. Good. Passenger experiences everywhere. Yeah, anyway, we've got some military news next. So uh, we've got some stories. So if Matt, uh, Nev, are you ready? No, yes. it's the military. Of course I'm not ready. Where's our mother? Okay, <laughs> he's not ready. Don't worry about <laughs> that. He's 135, So this first story in the military this week comes to us from thedrive.com and it's a helicopter that I've been watching actually this afternoon when I was watching an episode of SEAL Team on Paramount+. Plus. As you do. It's the uh, UH-60 Black Hawk unexpectedly appears in Ukraine military service. So the Ukraine Armed Forces have received what appears to be their first example of the ambiguous S-70 or H-60 Black Hawk series helicopter. It looks now to be in service with the aviation branch of the Ukraine's Defense Intelligence De Directorate, which has led a number of daring missions in the course of the ongoing war with Russia, including cross-border helicopter raids, and the Black Hawk design is more modern than previous helicopters donated to Ukraine and could pave the way for future deliveries. The story posted on its website this week by the main director of intelligence of the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine includes two photos of a Black Hawk series helicopter in a hangar in Ukraine. One photo shows a two-person armed helicopter crew posing in front of the aircraft, and another head-on view of the Black Hawk shows it alongside a Ukraine Mi-24 Hind helicopter with another two-person crew, as well as a four-person team uh, of apparent special operations troops. While not explicit on this uh, on this point, the wording suggests that the Black Hawk and the MI-24 are new additions to the Directorate's regular fleet. In the past, it's understood to have used Ukrainian Army aviation helicopters, uh, primarily Soviet and Russian-made MI-8 and MI-17 HIPS, on an ad hoc basis, having organic aviation assets a clearly major advantage for them, and not only in terms of availability of aircraft for its demanding missions, but also uh, the likelihood of a U.S. transfer uh, of F-16 fighter jets to Ukraine is gradually increasing as well. Uh, this is from the weeklyblitz.net. And such an op uh, opinion for Sunday, the 19th of February uh, this month, on air on the TV channel CNN, who expressed the head of Foreign Affairs Committee of the House of Representatives of the U.S. Congress, Michael McCall. When asked by the presenter about whether to expect the administration of U.S. President Joe Biden to decide on the supply of fighter jets to Kiev, McCall said, the longer the delay, the longer this conflict will drag on, he said. 
On the 17th of February, the White House said the United States would welcome the decision of the Allies to transfer their fighter jets to Ukraine. At the same time, the representatives of the National Security Council, John Kirby, noted that the U.S. administration itself never tells its partners what specific weapons and when should they be transferred to the Ukraine. On the 7th of February, U.S. leader Joe Biden said he did not want to send F-16 fighters to the Ukraine because combat aircraft should be left in the U.S., and at the time, uh, on the February the 2nd, the New York Times wrote that the United States and the European Union could transfer F-16 fighter jets to Ukraine through the Netherlands and Denmark. Now, I, I mean, I'm, you know, obviously we're not all military buffs here, the three of us, as we all know, but I did hear online and on the news and on a programme that was on Sky News not many days ago that we haven't got the aircraft to send to the ukraine we just in the uk we, we don't have it yeah the, we just haven't got the aircraft to send these guys i know i know we've been doing a lot of training haven't we so they they've yes. they've been here learning how to fly various aircraft because that is something that we do do well training in general i think yes uh, yeah. to be fair and i know they've been here doing that and i mean i, th I think um, our, our prime minister rishi sunak um was sort of photographed uh, sort of visiting one of these training camps and things with, with that very much in mind you know because obviously it's we want to sort of help i guess um as much bring, as we can br yeah. bring this to to a swift conclusion but uh, yeah it's uh you know i mean we, we haven't got enough aircraft for our aircraft carrier at the end of the day have we so well it's, yeah uh, you know yeah, it's an ongoing story isn't it really We've we've not got. I think I think we're, to be honest, we've we've got more refueling aircraft here, <laughs> uh, based at RAF Mildenhall, than we have got jets to actually refuel. Well, there we are. Know, ha having having had the opportunity to go to Mildenhall, mm -hmm. you know, a few years back yeah. with Armando and seeing the lineup of KC one three five tankers lined up there, you know, it just <laughs> yeah. We, yeah. They're just they're, you know they've never seen you never sort of around here, especially where me and Matt live here in the east of England. We we are quite used to low-flying fighter jets flying around here but they normally only fly around in pairs matt you never see them yeah. in sort of groups of 10 or 20. yeah yeah, yeah. no i know i know what you mean uh, anyway matt you've got the next one i have indeed yes absolutely and the headline on this one is sharper rules coming to tackle airspace incursions, Biden says. So we're sticking with quotes from uh, Biden uh, this week. The Drive.com is the source on this one. President Joe Biden says his administration is seeking new policies and procedures for how to handle unidentified objects intruding in US airspace in the future. These remarks come after the US Air Force F-22 Raptor and F-16C Viper jets shot down three still identified, unidentified objects in the US and Canadian airspace between the 10th of February and the 12th of February. Uh, that followed the shootdown of what US officials said was a Chinese government spy balloon in US airspace off the coast of South Carolina on the 4th of February. Earlier reports had indicated that Biden's speech today, after which he remained in the briefing room for a few moments, but ultimately answered no questions, came in response to growing criticism over the administration transparency or lack thereof about these incidents. The president had said previously that he did not believe the initial Chinese spy balloon incident represented a major security breach. We don't yet know exactly what these three other objects were, 
but nothing right now suggests that they were related to China's spy balloon program or that they were surveillance vehicles from any other country, Biden said. The intelligence community's current assessment is that these three objects were most likely balloons tied to private companies, recreation or research institutions studying weather or conducting other scientific research. Uh, earlier this week, U.S. officials had already indicated that the U.S. intelligence community, the USIC, was actively considering the possibility that the trio of objects that were shot down but that remain unidentified were benign. Biden's comments today also come amid the emergence of evidence that the object downed over Canada's Yukon Territory on the 11th of February specifically uh, may have been a so-called Pico balloon. Not sure what one of those is. Uh, these are small balloons that are often uh, launched by amateur radio enthusiasts. Oh, there you go. See the answer, the, answer, the clues are there. Uh, Biden elaborated on additional policies and other actions that will be taken based on the work of new inter-agency inter working groups led by National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan. The planned creation of this team was announced earlier this week. First, we will establish a better inventory of unmanned airborne objects in space above the United States airspace and make sure that inventory is uh, accessible and up-to-date, the President explained. Second, we'll implement further measures to improve our capacity to detect unmanned objects in our airspace. Third, we'll update the rules and uh, regulations and uh, for launching and maintaining unmanned objects in the skies above the United States of America, he continued. And fourth, my Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, will lead an effort to help establish common goal norms in this largely unregulated space. There we go. It's uh, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Really, I think I think uh, I, I I normally I'm a bit like mm, bored now type sort of thing. But actually, this this whole story with this, um, you know, I'd be. I'd be fascinated to find out what evidence they bring to the table, if you like, um, you know, to say that these are actually like this first balloon, obviously, that seems to have caused the most concern, um, you know, with it belonging to, um, you know, sort of China, basically. I'd be interested to sort of hear um, all about that. I, I mean, are we going to hear all about though, it, though? It's gone, it's gone quiet, wouldn't you say, though? We, have, we haven't heard anything now for a... Well, I think I think again, there's there's a strong argument that some of the you know the, some of the other ones that were taken out of the sky, uh, which is perhaps what's prompted this, uh, turned out to be benign units that that you know were were did have permission, if you like, to to be in U UK US spare airspace, but there was no like national register of people carrying out work, I guess, using um, these these balloons. So, oh yes, I did see that, Dirk. Dirk S mm -hmm. in the chat room. Um, I, I did see that on the on social media this week, a picture of a Goodyear blimp, obviously the big Goodyear blimp they have in the, U, in the US. And they have on the Goodyear blimp, they have those, um, um, like a, a, what they call them, a dot matrix kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. the wording goes across. And it was saying, uh, um, don't shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. Very good. Indeed, indeed. Nev, know, are, are we are we oh, going to find out, though? Are we going to... Do you think we'll get a report, Nev, on this? Well, uh, I mean, a, a real one. <laughs> there's a whole... 
I, I'm in two minds about this. I, I think on the one hand, there's obviously there's a lot of security issues and a yeah, lot definitely. of things that we're not being told, I would imagine, quite, mm. quite deliberately. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, uh, an incursion into Any commercial airspace, yeah. or military airspace is a thing, isn't it? That is a it problem. Is. Um, and these things are up at uh, 40,000 feet sometimes, mm. uh, right in where, you know, the planes could the be liners are yeah. and the A350s and all the rest of it. So, mm. yeah, you don't have a big moment no. planting one of those, do you? True. That's for sure. Indeed. Mm. Let's hope, I, I hope we do get some transparency because I think it'd be fan, fantastic to sort of, um, you know, get clarification on it, if you like. You know, I mean, mm. there, there, there is a chance, of course, this balloon, this first balloon that was shot down was there with permission, but perhaps the data wasn't available to, to, to authorise it, if you see what I mean. Um, but um, who knows? Uh, will we ever find out, I guess, is the is the $64 million question, isn't it? <laughs> yep. That's true. Indeed. And on to the next story, Nev, to an another aircraft on my list of aircraft I'd love to have a go in. Yes, I think this story has to uh, hold the record for the most number of acronyms uh, <laughs> in it. Um, Good luck, so, Nev. Brace yourself. We'll see how we get on. There's, yeah, there's, okay. a lot, there's a lot to unpick with this story, that's for sure. Uh, it's on thebusinesswire.com. Uh, it says that US Navy is to Navy is to acquire more King Airs. Uh, Textron Aviation announced that it's been awarded the multi-engine training system contract by Naval Air Command, so that's NAVAIR and METS, uh, respectively, through a full and open competition. Uh, the contract award is for up to 64 King Air 260 aircraft, which will be known as the T-54A. The initial Lot 1 award will procure 10 new Beechcraft King Air 260 commercial aircraft and associated support. Lots 2 and 3, if the options are exercised, would each procure up to 27 aircraft. Uh, aircraft deliveries are planned from 2024 to 2026. The Beechcraft King Air 260 uh, is acquired under the METS contract and will replace the Chief of uh, Naval Air Training, which is CNATRA, fleet of T-44C Pegasus aircraft. The T-44C is a variant of the twin-engine and pressurised Beechcraft King Air 90. The T-44 has been in service since 1977. Uh, METS will modernise multi-engine aircraft training at Sinatra, providing an intermediate and advanced training platform for US Navy, US Marine Corps and US Coast Guard aviators into the P-8, EP-3, KC-130, E6, E2, CMV22, CV22 and MV22 aircraft. Met's uh, specific capabilities includes factory options for TACAN, which is air-to-air -air and angle of attack, AOA, VHF and UHF radios, digital audio system, uh, engine trend monitoring, condition-based maintenance plus observer uh, jump seats, uh, passenger mission seats and full-face oxygen masks. Uh, with its advanced technology, the new METS platform will be more representative of fleet aircraft, said Captain Holly Shoga, Naval Undergraduate Flight Training Systems Program Office, PMA-273 Program Manager. Uh, the T-54A will include an updated avionics suite, automation qualities and 
virtual reality and augmented reality devices to better prepare students for the advanced aircraft they will fly in the fleet. Uh, the King Air 260 METS aircraft will be delivered in a fully compliant METS mission ready configuration from Textron Aviation's King Air production line in Wichita. Texas, uh, sorry, Kansas, Wichita, Kansas. I've got Texas on the mind from my, my <laughs> trip. Wichita, Kansas, of course it is. Uh, so there we go. So the first job they've got to do is learn all those acronyms, I, I would imagine. Mm. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I was really lucky a few years back, I don't know, a few years back before COVID at the Malta Air Show, when it was actually an air show. Um, got to have a chat with the guys who fly the uh, Royal Air Force. They've got, they've got some King Airs the uh, 260s in the Royal Air Force they use, and got to have a little uh, look on board and that. And they are they are really quite smart. You know, old, it's old school aircraft, because mm. King Airs were, I forget what year, King Airs were, I think it was, 19, was it 1960s? Uh, 72, 1970s, yeah, they first, the King Airs, the Super King Airs. But they are really, really good aircraft. And uh, a certain uh, pilot, Pip, who we all know, also, I think uh, had had a hand in flying a King Air as well in his uh, his aviation career. But um, yeah, good story. Uh, next story, and I hope Matt's got the picture for this because I saw this earlier on in the week pop up in the news feeds, and uh, I'm just gutted they weren't delivering it to my house. But anyway, it comes to us from the EAA.org, and uh, B17 begins truck trip. Yes, it's not flying; it's going by truck. Uh, after several weeks of disassembly, EAA and volunteer crews in Punta Gorda, Florida, have loaded the trucks to ship the B-17, which is aptly named Aluminium Overcast, uh, back to Oshkosh to complete repairs and get the flying fortress back into flight status. Uh, disassembled aircraft is loaded onto several trucks with some sections heading north on the Monday and the rest to follow the rest of this week, weather permitting, obviously, with the airframe that could be back in Oshkosh by late next week. After arriving at the week's hangar, the repairs assembly team will continue tasks that will likely take most of the coming year. The hope is to have the B-17 ready for flight testing in 2024. The AA teams are our dedicated volunteers in Florida Air Recovery in Punta Gorda have devoted thousands of hours to the project over the past two years and are gratified for their devotion and their efforts, said Jeff Tolloyne, the EAA's Director of Aircraft Operations and Maintenance. At this point, he said it was deemed the best way to complete the task, which was to bring the airplane back to Oshkosh so all the necessary resources could be immediately available. Aluminium Overcast has been in Punta Gorda since March 2021 when the routine pre-flight inspection revealed a crack emanating from the left shear web, which is a secondary support structure for the wing. The only way to repair that was by removing the entire wing, the repair itself, it's not only overly complicated, but just getting it back um, back to us is. The wing was removed by EAA teams who noted other things that would be best served by repairing at the same time. And the proper parts for the vintage World War II bomber are currently being specially manufactured uh, for the repairs. Fantastic pictures on there, Matt. Uh, the aircraft also dodged two weather calamities uh, in Florida. Hurricane Ian hit Punta Gorda Airport this past September, but it only caused minor damage to the B-17 when in a hangar when it was actually parked, uh, where, the, uh, where it was heavily damaged. A short time later, tornadoes ripped through the area, but fortunately missed the aircraft at the airport. Now, it's always good, isn't it, guys, to see the B-17s uh, flying 
you know, we're lucky we've got to I love the one at Duxford. Sally B. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, depending which side you look at our one, Sally B or it's the Memphis Bell, depending on which side you look yeah. at the aircraft. Uh, here in the UK, and obviously um, the US have got a handful of B-17s, I think, still, uh, still flying. But such, honestly, an awesome aircraft to see, not only in the air, but also... Uh, when me and uh, Sturman, who's normally in our chat room uh, of the show, when me and Sturman went to Duxford it last year, uh, when they were doing the deep maintenance on uh, the Sally B, and they literally had every engine stripped down, including the undercarriage, the flap system, everything was stripped off the aircraft. It was quite, quite something seeing that aircraft. Mm, I bet. Um, and everything is, they're so meticulous. Watching these guys work is, just mm. blows your mind. Yeah, it is a fabulous thing, isn't it? Yeah. So that is the military news for this week. We uh, we haven't got a caption this this week because oh, no. because I've literally, as Matt and Nev know, I've literally done a few miles this week in the truck <laughs> and haven't had a chance to do anything. No. Uh, but uh, Captionist will be back uh, on the show next week. And uh, any more points of thing order for the show, guys? I know well, we've, we've got a little bit of a um, meet up tomorrow. Mm. Uh, that us and all of us together in the production team, mm. uh, where we try to get together at the start of the year, but because of operational circumstances, we weren't able to. But we work out what we're trying to be doing uh, for the remainder of the year for you guys in terms mm. of air shows meetups that kind of thing um so once we've worked it all out we will put together a little sort of calendar for ourselves so we know what we're doing and where mm. we've got to be and we will share that with you of course indeed, um, so yeah, we're looking forward especially in the summer months to doing some kind of minor meetup at one of the um mm. uh, aviation museums that'll be nice um Absolutely. carlos and i already got the jersey air show booked uh, for September, and um, we're going to look at what else we can do uh, this year as well. So, um, indeed, uh, yeah, looking forward to coming up with some good suggestions. And uh, if you've got some suggestions about where you would like to us to come to, uh, mm -hmm. Hobby Times already said Cosford. Um, well, like we'll definitely agree with that. It's mm. a good place to go. Um, then do let us know as well. Um, yeah, but, definitely. Uh, yeah, we'll be doing that tomorrow. Working out a bit of a plan. And then we'll come back to you with uh, what we'll be doing. And of course, year. if you want to share some of your ideas with us, uh, one of the easiest ways to do that is to take yourselves to our various uh, points of contact, shall we say. Uh, the, one of the easy ones is just taking yourself to uh, our WhatsApp number. That is plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. That's plus four four seven five seven two two four nine one six six. You can also get in touch with us via our email address. That's probably the easiest way. We all get to see that one and you will definitely get a response either from myself or Nev on that one uh, as I say if you've got any suggestions about some of the places that we should visit this year we're quite keen on doing a bit of a sort of like an air aviation museum sort of tour aren't we uh, so we'll be very much inviting your suggestions podcast at plaintalkinguk.com is our email address that's podcast at plaintalkinguk.com don't forget of course you can follow everything that we're up to on our social media pages uh, you can search Twitter Facebook and instagram for our social media handle which is plain talking uk all as one word that's plain talking uk all as one word and of course don't forget 
our wonderful website. All the details you need on there. If you'd like to be a Patreon, for example, uh, it's a way of donating to the show. It's just a dollar. That's all. You know, that's all we ask really, just to help keep the show on the air and uh, you know, just to help towards keep me in cables. Uh, yeah, keep me in cables. Basically, <laughs> uh, it's www.plaintalkinguk.com. That's www.plaintalkinguk.com. There's also a link to our Amazon link, which means you can do your shopping uh, and still contribute without having to uh, uh, sort of make a direct donation. We can still benefit from that as well. Lots of other cool things on the website. Take yourself there and take a look. And the and of course, you can go and buy yourself. Uh, we've got T-shirts and mugs available via the website as well. Yes, I, there's a few uh, few um, uh, patterings on social media this week, actually, um, about uh, some mugs that were received. Oh yes, uh, by by uh, our, some of some our Australian yes uh, listeners. They, they made it I know, safely. I know Grant McCarran has, mm. and Grant McCarran and Steve Vischer have both mm. got their military grey mug now. Yeah, uh, very good. Glad to see that. And also, we did get an email as well, a very nice email as well from James Graves Brown, who won the A400M yes, uh, tag, uh, which eventually. Uh, made its way over across to the US, and he's got that tag now, and he's got that in his display uh, cabinet in at home. He's very chuffed with that as well. So, um, well done to you. We're uh, we're going to discuss tomorrow as well. We're going to run some more competitions throughout the year. Uh, Nev's obviously got about six and a half million books to give away. If you are a reader of aviation books, <laughs> Nev's got them there. Nev, yes, have you got a few there? <laughs> Oh, I see. You've got quite the box full. Oh, yes. We've, we're not short. We've got uh, about eight books in there. Carlos, uh, I think they're in a box. I'm a bit worried they're going to be coming with... They're all nice. I've got... uh, we've also got a couple of the um, uh, the Red Arrows programmes oh, nice. that we were given at uh, Jersey nice. uh, to, uh, to give away as well. So, Carlos, uh, Carlos, they're in a box already. I'm a bit... I'm a bit nervous that they're going to be um, coming coming with him tomorrow. I've got the nasty feeling. Oh, okay, okay, Yes, so we're going to we're going to put our heads together, yeah. as we said tomorrow at our uh, production meeting. Mm. We're going to we're going to run some more competitions. We are very soon, indeed, for you uh, to be in the chance with winning a book. If you fancy a good old read, you know. Oh, and. Some... And also thanks uh, to Bill uh, from Ontario in in Canada. Uh, he sent us a couple of emails during the week there, and uh, I really loved the Bohemian Rhapsody one he sent uh, us. That was a that was really really oh, good. Yes. A link on YouTube. That was that was pretty awesome. Do feel free to get in touch with us. You know, however you have your wish. It doesn't even have to be aviation related. I'll probably enjoy it a lot more if <laughs> it's not aviation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've had a good tea, uh, I, I, I'm up for here. And all well, about if it, you've yeah. got a good beer suggestion, Ooh, yeah, definitely. Uh, we're, we're a big fan of beer. You know, we're we're, we're a big fan yeah. of ales here in the UK. Yeah, indeed. I'm I'm currently enjoying, I should say, a product that is only available from the company that I work for. <laughs> Look, it's a very nice little Monteria Gold. It is a a lovely little Shiraz 2020. So it's a good vintage three years old and it's Dirk's, lovely Dirk's off he's off to go and do some drinking is I he think. okay yeah. and, and i'm loving this look because it's it just clings to the side of the glass it's very nice oh. Thank you. and you're in your second bottle already aren't you mm. yeah 
Absolutely. Second glass. Anyway. anyway. Second glass, anyway. Rude. Before we all get completely <laughs> trolleyed yes, yes. on alcohol. we better say goodbye, aren't we? Yes. Big thanks to all the listeners today. Good thanks to all our YouTube viewers who've been watching the show and in the chat room tonight, all the usual people in the chat room. Good to see you all in there, as always. And also, a big thanks to everyone who downloads the show each week yeah, and listens definitely. to it as an audio podcast, like I did this week when I listened back to last week's show. How did we do? So, Were we all right? It was lovely. Very was good. Lovely. Okay. I, I use the particular app I use is called Podbean. Oh, is it? Uh, oh. Which works quite well for me. There are many other ones out there, but uh, if you do download our show as an audio show each week, because uh, some people do, you know, don't have the time to tune in on a Friday. Uh, if you get if you get a spare five minutes, we would love it if you could give us a little review on, say, iTunes, as many of them do. Let you uh, write a review because we'd love mm. to hear uh, your comments on there. And as Matt said earlier, we would love to hear feedback from you as well if you want to send us an email uh, the email address is is on our website as well as all the details are on our website uh, we'd love to hear from you some feedback mm. Bear, albeit voice or text or or message uh, feedback we'd love to hear from you. <laughs> richard adams is asking when the next park radio av aviation special oh blimey uh, yeah we'll have to run that by the station i guess say probably tomorrow morning around about uh, 9 40 is usually when uh, carlos yes. and i link up together <laughs> on the actual radio I still can't believe we do that we do we usually do a sort of a, a terry wogan ken bruce kind of uh, handover don't we like we do yeah, between yes. eating right. and i'm at home tomorrow as well you'll be pleased to know so oh, good yeah there we go uh, so anyway. that is where we're going to bring episode 445 445 to a close of the plain talking uk podcast we'll be back next friday mm. hopefully we'll have armando back with us as well we'll have a full team uh, or yeah. in, in here this uh, next week. All Nev, looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. Can't wait for that. Really looking forward to that. I know it's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. Looking forward to uh, heading east. Indeed, uh, well, it's going to be a bit windy and wild. I, I believe looking at the weather forecast. So uh, glad we're not flying this time. <laughs> ah, wet as well out there. Yeah, a bit wet and wild. <laughs> moist is the word you're looking for. Uh, <laughs> anyway, more on that later. Uh, take care, everyone, and uh, have a great weekend. Whatever you're up to. And uh, don't forget to uh, stay tuned to PTUK. We'll be back next Friday at 7 o'clock on YouTube. So from me, Carlos here in my home studio, from Matt in the PTUK Master Suite Studios, and from the jet setter that is <laughs> Neville Bounds over in his studio. Take care, everyone, and we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. See you. Bye. <laughs>